Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everyone and welcome to the Nasty Woman Club, your weekly catch-up on news, issues and events in the world of intersectional feminism. I am the Nasty Woman Club founder, host, journalist Demi Lynch and I'll be in your ears for the duration of this episode along with two surprise guests. On today's show, we'll be looking at slut-shaming on reality TV and the tiresome trope that women being open about their God-forbid sexuality somehow makes them the villain. I'll also be speaking about Brisbane's Kangaroo Point Hotel and how over 100 refugees have been detained there for over a year. But before I kick off with the show, I should probably introduce myself and this new podcast segment. So those of you that are new to the pod, let me introduce myself. As I said, my name is Demi Lynch. I am 24. I am a petty, stubborn, plus-size, dog-loving, plank-killing, bisexual, professional opinion haver living in Brisbane with my partner, my pain-in-the-ass cat, and my adorable adorable fluff nugget dog. I created the Nasty Woman Club mm, two years ago at 4ZZZ Community Radio Station. Shout out to 4ZZZ. It started off as a 2 to 5 a.m. music show. Let me put that through your heads. 2 to 5 a.m. It aired every Tuesday. I exclusively only played female and non-binary artists and I probably had two listeners throughout my entire year doing this show as many people that would have been listening to 4 Triple Z were probably sleeping because that's what you're meant to do at 2 to 5 a.m on Tuesday mornings anyway since then I turned TNWC into a small podcast to a news platform to now also a website at first TNWC was kind of just a hobby of mine But ever since, uh, what would it be, January this year, I've been really going at this like my full-time job, like my own business, not just a hobby anymore, because I want to make this my full-time gig. (laughs) That's the goal. And I think it's paid off. This past month, I've seen such a dramatic jump in my listenership and followers, so Big thank you to all of you for coming along this crazy, crazy ride. I really appreciate it. So, what is this new podcast segment, you may ask? Well, as of this week, instead of one, I will be releasing two new podcast episodes every week. I will still be releasing my Friday episodes where I interview an inspiring person with an inspiring story, but on Tuesdays, I'll be releasing my weekly catch-up episodes. 
These episodes are essentially about news stories, events, and issues in the world of intersectional feminism from this past week. And the reason I decided to create this was because I was seeing a lot of news stories being left out in mainstream media. And now I'm not saying all mainstream media are guilty of this, but I am seeing a lot of them guilty of clickbait, of only picking stories that have that dramatic effect, using vox pops just to get a certain angle and agenda through to their audiences. It's just me personally, as someone that's a journalist, I just find some of the ways that media platforms put out their news stories, I find it very problematic. And I don't find it very helpful when you're trying to inform people of the issues and events and news stories that matter to them and that they want and need to know. That's why I wanted to create this. Anyway, without further ado, it's time to kick off the show with news issues and stories from the week that was. This week in intersectional feminism. This is like a movie. The most romantic thing that's ever happened to me. This is where I want to find my girl. I came here for Kieran. He's hot and he's such a naughty boy. I think he's mine. Bachelor in Paradise is back. And for those of you that aren't aware of the show, it pretty much is an extension of Bachelor and Bachelorette. And they have contestants from previous seasons from these shows come on to Bachelor in Paradise to find love. And of course, like any other reality show, there are villains. And this season seems to be, yet again, Abby. Abby Chatfield appeared on Matt Agnew's season of The Bachelor. And she was slut-shamed, she was bullied, she was trolled, she got to the point that she was suicidal, which she has said on her podcast and also other, and also numerous other interviews. So people know how much bullying and slut-shaming and tearing someone down, how much that could really affect someone. But yet people are still doing it with this new season of Bachelor in Paradise, and I am really cranky about it, because There are many people that just watch it and think these people on this show are characters that can just be ridiculed because they don't have feelings. They have feelings. They are people, just like you and me. They are people. So I thought, what better person to rant about slut-shaming on reality TV than my incredible fellow podcaster, body-positive role model, April Watson, or as you may know her as, the Bodzilla. So April, my dear, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about a very, very important topic today, Bachelor in Paradise. Only the important things between you and I, my love. That's, we don't talk about anything that's unimportant. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yep. It's the topic of the week, of course. Yes. So for listeners out there that are not aware of Bachelor in Paradise, it's kind of an extension of The Bachelor and Bachelorette. And we are talking about this week a certain woman that is yet again the quote-unquote villain of the show because she is open about her sexuality. What woman are we talking about today, April? I'm going to say, I'm going to take Abby Chatfield for 500, Demi. <laughs> Abby Chatfield it is. Yes, you are the winner. 
of oh, once yes. again i've done <laughs> i have chosen correctly when choosing abby chatfield <laughs> yes so april what were your thoughts on seeing how abby was portrayed on the show for listeners out there that didn't watch it how were you feeling? Um, I So I didn't even end up finish watching the episodes. I, I mean, obviously, we know now that Abby has finished her, her time uh, on the island. Uh, but I didn't, I started to watch it uh, on the app because I'm not a great one for watching TV when things are actually on. I'm very terrible at it. And so I downloaded the app watching late at night and I started to get a bit annoyed. I, I, I thought, okay, so they're going to send her in. They've already, Tim's already in there. They've set her up a bit being kind of like, is Kieran going to be there? Like, obviously they have a sense that she would like to see him because she'd been quite open about the fact that she thought he was quite nice from what she saw on Angie's season. And this is my first time watching a Bachelor uh, show aside from Angie's season of The Bachelorette. The only reason I even watched that was because I'd heard Abby on the Shameless podcast and thought, I really want to see one of these shows because I just don't, I didn't have enough context. So I thought, okay. Um, and as we know, that also kind of, you know, it didn't depart from the usual thing of set up a certain character, look a certain way, etc. But I felt annoyed almost immediately at the way that they had set Abby up to be like, oh, I'm just dying to meet Kieran. I don't care about anything else. It's kind of like, are we sure that's all she had to say? Like she she seemed to be this sort of one trick pony talking Mm. about the same thing. Uh, And then of course, just more generally what I saw of the other women as they came into the house, I was kind of onto the island. I sort of was a bit put off by just the way that they were kind of like almost teasing Abby, like, oh, here's your boyfriend. Like when Kieran finally arrived. Um, and for her to be quite genuinely, I, I could see that she seemed quite nervous and they were all just kind of like, oh yeah, just like go for it, just go for it, you know, um, and making it as if, oh, Abby's a sex fiend, like go on, you're not afraid of anything. And it's kind of like, well, she's still a human. Yeah, it was really weird how they do that, yet Kieran turned up to the Bachelor in Paradise show naked with just a bunch of grapes in front of him. But yet people were saying that, you know, Abby, what is it they said? Oh, she's got like a sexual wand and she gets whatever she wants. And it's just like, there seems to be no conversation about Kieran. Now I'm not saying Kieran's a horrible guy, nothing like that, but it's just very much a double standard in the sense that Kieran, you know, showed up to the show naked. He um, was, what's it hooked up? Or I don't know what the term is hooked up. Like, you know, it's like laid in bed with Abby and then he hooked up with another contestant as well, but he's not getting shit on. He's not getting the villain edit. It's no. really weird. He's getting that, um, he's getting that treatment like the, the Taylor Swift song, the man, he is 100% the man. Yes. Um, you know, he, he is getting those, those props for being able to be a flirtatious lad or he's a, oh, he's a bit of a go getter. or He's a maverick or what. And then Abby's just basically, and, and not even, you know, in a, any veiled terms, literally being slut shaped, being called slutty, being called forward, overly eager. It's like, so she's doing literally the exact same thing, being quite open and honest with both the producers and the other people on the island. I quite like this person. I think that I might like to get to know them better. He shows up with no clothes on and we're going to be mad at her because she's a, got a, a sexual wand. I don't even, <laughs> I don't have words. Oh yeah. She just, Abby always just gets what she wants. Well, so she wanted to get not given a rose on the second night and have the other dude that she liked kissing other girls. Is that what she wanted? <laughs> Seems a bit odd. Yeah. And it's kind of upsetting, but not surprising in a sense that 
it's mainly the women that are slut shaming her, which is very disappointing. It's so disappointing mm. that that's still yeah. happening. The internalized misogyny there was uh, was right on show. And I think I was listening to uh, Clem Ford talking to Florence Given, and she used uh, a sentence that I really resonated with about being co-opted into our own suffering and talking about the fact that women are so ready to almost subject ourselves and each other to this kind of uh, misogyny and being looked down upon when you you know behave in a certain way and and other women see you that they're projecting how they feel onto you so people who are bothered by Abby being forward is that because you wish you were more forward if you're bothered by uh female sex workers or strippers but you're not bothered by male sex workers or strippers or that you would characterize one as fun and enjoyable and the other as shameful and disgusting like is that does that say something about them or does it say something about you Mm, exactly 100% agree with that and something else I definitely noticed so Abby left for those that didn't watch the show um, Abby left on episode two at the very end and I definitely noticed a very big difference in how she was spoken about in the media so Abby has a Facebook group for her podcast it's a lot and I think probably 99.9% of people in that Facebook group were like, yes, Abby, oh my God, yes, you you should become Bachelorette. Oh my God, you should have stayed longer. But then outside the Facebook group was a different story. What did you see on that? Um, I definitely saw there was a lot. I I was reading James Weir's recaps and I found some of the sort of sub- or the byline or whatever you want to call it. It's different when it's um, not print media, but uh, kind of with that, just that tone that, that spoke, spoke about Abby in a almost sort of with disdain rather than just being factual. And of course the idea of the James Weir recaps and Batchy recaps of any sort from anyone who does them are to be funny and kind of taking the mickey and whatever, but it just doesn't seem to be um, that other people are getting an equal serving of that sass uh, from from different people whereas I agree in the in the Facebook group because obviously you and I are giant fans of Abby and the It's yes. a Lot Pod um that we we could see that quite a lot of people were determined to uh, as they quite rightly said defend Abby in the comments which of course she she was like please do uh because it's relentless the trolling is I mean and we know Abby has experienced a level of trolling that goes beyond with you know threats and disgusting behavior but I think I want to know let's crack open the dms of Kieran Stott and find out if anyone's leaving him disgusting uh voice messages or saying he should put it away or that he's a vile human being because he shows up with no clothes on do you know what I'm off you're in an on an island it's a desert island or whatever no clothes is probably the go-to but suddenly if Abby came out with no clothes on and just a couple of watermelons and a fig leaf or whatever everyone would lose their mind but apparently it's cute and funny when he does it because it's you know call back to that time that he got his kid off in front of everyone and everyone went oh my god yeah it's such a double standard isn't it imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
that was myself speaking with the incredible April Watson, aka the Bodzilla. If you're not following her on Instagram, make sure you do. She posts incredible content and talks about racial issues and body positive issues as well. Give her a follow and also check out her new podcast, which is called Bodcast. B-O-D-C-A-S-T. I'll put the link in today's show notes. For the last topic of today's show, I wanted to talk about a topic that is something that is heavily affecting the community that I live in. So I live in West End, Brisbane, and only about a month ago, I found out that there were over 100 refugees trapped in a motel less than 15 minutes away from me. So for those of you that are not aware of what is happening in Brisbane right now, there is a place called Kangaroo Point Hotel. Now, when I say hotel, it is not a fancy, pantsy hotel. It is a motel, very small rooms, just to paint the picture a bit more clearer. And what has happened is over the past seven years, we've in fact just gone past the seven-year anniversary over the weekend. For the past seven years, there have been men detained in this hotel. Currently, 120 refugees are detained in this hotel. They cannot leave their rooms. They are only allowed to go onto their balconies, very small balconies. They cannot leave their rooms to communicate to family members or to friends out in the community. They cannot go outside to exercise. They cannot go out to get groceries. They are pretty much stuck in their rooms, and many of them have been stuck in these rooms for over a year. So over the past month, there has been a community blockade in front of this hotel. And the reason why this has all started is because there were reports indicating that these men in this hotel were going to be transferred to a detention center. So ever since then, there has been a 24-7 community blockade to prevent any vehicles from entering or leaving the premises. So these men do not get taken back to detention. What the protesters are calling for is they want these refugees to be let out into the community and treated like human beings with human rights. Because right now they are treated like prisoners and it's just not fair at all. So that is why I wanted to discuss today's topic because I feel like this issue is not being spoken about enough in the media and it is something that was very surprising for me considering that I live 15 minutes away from this prison essentially and I thought what better person to talk to about this would be someone else that is also a local Brisbane resident so I thought I would bring on my partner onto the show who I've spoken about a million times probably on my podcast and my Instagram and yeah and you can finally all get to meet my lovely partner Daniel who like me loves to rant and loves to vent about issues that matter Right now, I have my partner with me to discuss one of the other news topics I wanted to bring up in today's news segment, and I think I've probably mentioned him too much in this podcast or on my Instagram, but yes, this is finally your introduction to my partner, Daniel. Hi, I'm Daniel, still recovering from a cold, so quite nasally at the moment. I apologize, but you know, you can only do what you can do. Yeah, I got a really, really nasally voice right now, so sorry if my voice is just not nice at all probably my fault yeah probably your fault I think I think you definitely (laughs) got it from me yes I definitely think so with that 
So, the reason why I've brought my partner in on this podcast for the first time in, like, two years is because for this new segment, I wanted to talk about a particular topic that has taken over Brisbane. And it was something that Dan and I were not aware of over a month ago, even though we've been living in Brisbane. Well, I've been living here for, like, four years. How long have you been here for? Well, I've been here for three years, but I think the thing that surprised me most with not knowing anything about this was I used to live just up the road, and you spent quite a bit of time visiting me there. Yeah. We were less than a K away from this place, where what we were going to talk about, it was going down. Mm. No? Yeah, we were. I was living for six months just up the road and had absolutely no idea that something was going on. I would drive past it all the time and not even think twice. Like we would go to Macca's runs, KFC runs, and yeah, we'd have no idea what's actually happening at Kangaroo Point Hotel. So for those of you that don't know, Kangaroo Point Hotel, it's on, is it Main Road? Main yeah, Road? Main, Main Road or Main Street. Yeah, it's on Main Road, Main Street. So it's like, it's a pretty busy street. Like it's not like in a little oh, cul-de-sac. Six lanes. Yeah, it's six, <laughs> six lanes of traffic there. So it's a very well-known street. And it's just like down the road a bit from Macca's and KFC. and just up the road from the Gabba for any sports fans up out there. Mm. It's probably 300 metres away from the Gabba. Uh, uh, 60,000, I think, capacity stadium Mm. that hosts international cricket, AFL, uh, just absolute plethora of different sporting events. Mm. Yeah, so with all this going on, it was only just last month that you and I found out that this hotel, or I'm sick of people saying saying it's a hotel. It's really actually a motel, like, once you look at it. But, yeah, there's... Even, oh, even that's being nice. Motel, mm. it's, it's certainly nothing fancy. Yeah. It's like, it, just looking at it from the outside reminds me of those dodgy little airport hotels you go past. Uh, the ones yes. that are, like, just in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. looking like... It's just where, like, pilots or someone will just have, like, a one-night layover if they can't get into the city for their next-day flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you could barely fit you and your luggage in the room, and that's about it. Yeah. So that's pretty much what we're looking at, what the Kangaroo Point Hotel is. And why this is important is because there are over 100 men, over 100 refugees detained in this hotel, and many of them have been detained there for over a year. So they cannot leave their rooms. They have these teeny tiny little balconies and they're just stuck there for over a year, some even for many years. And the reason why they are there is because they have been transferred from detention centres for medical treatment. But it's like now they're at this awkward position now of do they get then sent back to the detention centres or do they actually get treated like human beings and sent out to the community? So, my dear Daniel, what was your thoughts then when you found out about this? I was, I think like a lot of people in Brisbane, especially people who, like it's a quite common work commute to go along that road, Mm. uh, I was absolutely gobsmacked. Yeah. It actually felt really, really weird to me, partially because I had driven past there, as I said earlier, I used to live just up from the road there. Out the front of there is a sign for an Italian restaurant that is attached to the hotel. And me being the fan of pizza that I am, had wondered, I wonder if their pizza's any good there. I don't even know if the restaurant is open or what's going on there. But 
just, yeah, my first reaction was gobsmacked. And to think, I think it's been going on for seven years now? Mm, yeah. Yeah, seven years that this has been housing um, refugees there. And nothing was known. And to be so close to the city, I think, is what really surprised me. Yeah. I had someone have said that this was happening on some somewhere remote, it probably would have been a bit less surprising. Certainly still absolutely awful and a complete and utter violation of human rights. I don't want to say that being out of sight, out, out of mind, means that it's an okay thing to be doing. God, no. I just can't believe that this was so close to such a me large metropolitan area, yet completely unknown. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Like, it just looks like some normal cheap motel that you'll go to, yet there's over 100 people there. They can't even leave their rooms. And, like, many of them are vegetarian or have certain dietary requirements, and the food apparently just doesn't meet those requirements at all. It's meant to be disgusting. Like, like with COVID-19 happening, how emotional people got with the fact that they had to be in self-isolation in their own homes for weeks or oh, months. People were ropeable. Yeah. People were mad. Yeah. People were seriously pissed. Yeah. And even, like, travellers as well, like, when they were doing interstate travel travel or overseas travel, when they had to go into hotel quarantine for two weeks. Like, you know, people were mad, aggravated, they were upset, they just couldn't handle it. But then you have these men who have been trapped for years in this tiny ass room it's just crazy and also there are many of them that actually have family members and children that are within the australian community and they can't even talk to them like they can't even see them it's just yeah just i think ridiculous. i remember hearing a story and i don't know if this was an actual thing or not mm. but just something i remember hearing was that there was a man who'd been there for over a year and for the vast majority of that year, his family, so the people obviously who he came with, who his application was being pro for citizenship was being processed with at the same time, for most of the year, his family had been in the community. Mm. But he wasn't allowed to see them. He wasn't allowed to leave. He just had to stay in this tiny little jail cell of a room. Yeah. And just awful purely because he needed medical attention yeah it's just so by all by all rights if he should be had he have not required that medical attention then you would imagine same as his um wife and children or wife and child i can't remember the size of the family mm. by rights he would have been in the community yeah and something else that really really worried me and this is what a lot of the protests has started around was with the um, people getting put into actual prison, mm. people getting put into higher level security areas. Yeah. And from that, the protesters started blocking the trucks. And that was really how all this was found out, that I think a group of, um, a group of activists or a group of protesters, I don't know what their ties were, mm. They decided, they found out that there was these refugees in this hotel and that they were being transport, transported to higher security uh, 
well, for lack of a better term, prisons, including some actual prisons, I believe. Yeah. So that's what's been happening this past month. There's just been an ongoing 24-7 community blockade. And what these activists want, they want these men that are stuck in this hotel to be allowed in the community to be actually with us. Like, that's why they're in this country. They're not here to take our jobs or what the fucking stereotype is. Like, take our jobs mm, or when people say beat the that. system. It's so, it's so bullshit. The reason they came here is because they had no other choice. They came here to save themselves, to save them families because their country is obviously not safe. So yeah. that that's all these activists want. They just want these people to be given... Like, to be treated like human beings. Like, you know, to be able to go outside and just do simple things like exercise, get groceries, the simple things we all take for granted. The, the simple things many of us couldn't do during lockdowns and many of us can now, but there are still many people out there that can't because they are trapped in this motel simply because they were trying to find a safe place because their country just was too dangerous for them. Mm. And I know a lot of people have come from a background of a very small town and a lot of uh, people who don't understand a lot of this and probably should uh, learn a bit more about it before they voice such strong opinions uh, who are saying similar things that Demi has just alluded to there. But um, obviously there is a great program for education called Go Back to Where You Came From, from the ABC. <gasps> yeah, They did that quite a few years ago, back when, um, I can't remember the Prime Minister at the time, but they were all about turning around the boats and the boat people were the big number one enemies that the politicians just used to just boost their campaigns mm. and just absolutely awful. Some great things, though. You think Ando, we all love him from Thank God You're Here. He's got a string of his own TV shows. You've got to remember, he was a refugee. He was a refugee that came to Australia, and he is, you know, we've claimed him as one of our own. He's, he's a bloody <laughs> yeah. Aussie now. He's not getting away from it. I mean, yeah. after that Thank God You're Here line of a car that runs on dim sims... Yes. He will be etched into Australian folklore for history. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> for all of history. <laughs> and another really good example that is quite personal to me from something that I've experienced uh, of a refugee and someone fleeing persecution, as many of these people are, is um, Pastor Evan Marawire. Bit oh, difficult no. to spell. Uh, Demi and I had the opportunity through university when we were both studying to attend a, um, a seminar here in Brisbane called Integrity 20, which was similar to a series of TED Talks. And we um, listened to hear this uh, pastor talk about his story. Uh, he started the One Flag movement in... Um, no, not One Flag, My Flag. My Flag, yeah. My Flag movement in Zimbabwe. Yes. Mm. And uh, he just... the. The um, struggles he went through and everything he had been through was just, it was mind-blowing. What he had done for his country and the support that he had all the way through to when he was even in prison. He had manslaughterers, people who were on death row for life. They, had hit, they were coming up to him saying, you will be safe in here. He was put in there by the government for speaking out against them. Nothing violent or dangerous. Uh, his family were threatened. 
he yeah, he left the country purely purely to keep his family safe. Uh, when we had the honour of meeting him, which we did after his talk, I uh, was just absolutely fangirling like <laughs> you wouldn't believe. Um, he mentioned that he hadn't seen his family in multiple years, purely because he knows as soon as he touches down in Zimbabwe, he will be arrested and there is a good chance he will not come out of that prison. Yeah. And that's a similar story to a lot of these people. They're fleeing for religious reasons. They're fleeing for political reasons. They might have simply just spoken up to the wrong person at the wrong time one time. It can be the smallest thing that can set off some of these people and cause them to be taking actions like this. That was myself and my partner, Daniel, talking about the detainment of refugees at Kangaroo Point. And thank you again, Daniel, for coming on to the show. I know it was probably very nerve-wracking for you, so I really do appreciate it. Thank you all so much for listening to my first episode of The Nasty Woman Club, The Catch-Up. I really do appreciate you listening to this episode, and I really hope this episode and future episodes can help you become more educated about current issues, news and events happening across Australia and the world. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a five-star review and subscribe. For more stories on intersectional feminism, make sure you head on over to thenastywomanclub.com and also The Nasty Woman Club on Facebook and Instagram. I'm your host, Demi Lynch. This is The Nasty Woman Club. Thank you.